I want to begin this morning with our scripture lesson from the book of Acts. After healing a lame beggar at the door of the temple, Peter and John begin to preach the good news about Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Many of the crowd had witnessed this healing miracle and responded favorably to the apostles' message. And this uh, naturally alarmed the religious authorities. And so the religious authorities seized Peter and John and threw him into prison until they figured out what they were going to do with these guys that were causing such an uproar. They perceived those apostles to be a threat to their power. They wondered about this strange teaching. Well, the next day, those same religious authorities brought Peter and John before them and questioned them with regard to their activities. By what power or what name did you do this? They demanded. And then we read. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. We are struck by the boldness and by the courage of these simple fishermen who are willing to risk everything to proclaim Jesus as the one and only, only Savior of the world. It was pretty gutsy to make such an exclusive claim when you think about it because they lived in a world of religious pluralism. In those days, gods and goddesses were everywhere. Mystery religions flourished, each with their own rites and ceremonies and arcane practices, many of which were secret and private. Eclectic philosophies of one kind or another promised blessing and personal fulfillment. As long as you worship Caesar as Lord, as divine, then you were free to embrace whatever God you wanted to worship. The one exception, however, was the Romans, or rather the Jews, who insisted that they worship the one true God. They will bow to no other. And so the Romans, understanding their stubbornness, basically left them alone. By and large, it seemed that one God was as good as another. So all this made for a good deal of spiritual confusion. It was an age of religious syncretism. Do you know that word, syncretism? There was a blending of different religions and philosophies, a mixing of often contradictory beliefs and practices. Various teachers offered truth tailor-made for whatever you were looking for. Your God could be whatever you wanted him to be. So into this pluralistic, diverse culture, this religious situation, came Christianity with its exclusive claim that Jesus is the unique and the only Savior of the whole world. Salvation is found in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Solus Christus, Christ alone. The apostles preached Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. They proclaimed a universal truth, valid and accessible for all, to all. They preached Jesus Christ as Lord, and they believed that it was critical that everyone come to know Him. He was not one Lord among many lords. He was not one way among many ways. He was not one Savior among a variety of other possible Saviors. He was and is the Lord, the King of kings, the one and only Savior of the world. To make such a claim in that day was offensive. Caesar, after all, reserved the title Lord and Savior for himself. Who were these Christians to make such a, a rival claim about this Jesus? The Roman historian Tacitus referred to Christians as enemies of humanity. Because of their uncompromising belief, Christians were persecuted, often brutally. Those early Christians thought their message was so important for everyone that they, that they were willing to suffer a martyr's death to proclaim it. The similarities between that day and our day are, is striking. As in apostolic times, we too live in an age of religious pluralism. Different religions vie for allegiance. Different philosophies promise personal fulfillment. All points of view are considered to be equally valid. Truth is whatever you make it out to be. We choose our religious beliefs from a wide range of options, not unlike choosing a car or a fitness center, and we mix and we match to customize it for ourselves. It's tailor-made religion. Or to use another analogy, I guess, it's, a, it's smorgasbord religion. Take a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of New Age, religion, common sense, mix and match. If it works for you, then great. Of course, it doesn't really matter if it actually squares with ultimate reality, with what is really true. And what is truth, anyway? Your truth is not necessarily my truth. And whatever you do, please keep it private. Don't you dare to try to impose your religion upon me. So goes the current scriptural, or the, the, the current cultural script. Today it seems that the biggest sin is to make an exclusive truth claim that's equally valid for all. Oprah Winfrey, one of the biggest or the most influential persons in our society today, once remarked, one of the biggest mistakes we make is to believe that there is only one way. There are many diverse paths leading to God. Well, how does she know that? Her statement that there are many paths to heaven is just as much a faith assertion as it is to say that there is only one way to heaven. But Oprah's view is the majority view today. Therefore, if you dare to make an absolute universal truth claim, you can expect to get some serious pushback. You might even be called an enemy of humanity. The Christian message has not changed. We believe Jesus when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
We believe with the apostles that there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. We believe in solus Christus, Christ alone. We believe in salvation in Christ alone, healing through Christ alone, redemption through Christ alone, the kingdom of heaven coming through Christ alone. This is a core belief of the Christian church from its founding, and it was reasserted by the reformers in the 16th century, and it still holds true. To hold this belief in this pluralistic culture in which we find ourselves can sound arrogant, or narrow-minded. And to be honest, sometimes Christians come across that way. We can make judgments about people when we don't even know them, and we can be self-righteous and smug in our beliefs. Sometimes I'm even kind of that way. As perfect as I am as your pastor. (laughs) You and I can certainly get in the way of the message, and that is tragic when it happens. Because it doesn't take much to turn people away from the message forever. But the reason why the church has confessed solus Christus, Christ alone for 2,000 years, is not because it's self-righteous or it's smug, but because of who Jesus is. He quite simply is not like any other religious teacher or philosopher. His coming has ramifications for the whole world. If it's true what the church says about Jesus, then I tell you, everything changes. Everything. Listen now to the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Colossians. Christians gather in the town of Colossae. We don't know all that was going on in that little village, but there seemed to be a a belief among the Christians there that Christ alone was not sufficient for salvation. They needed Christ alone plus something else. Christ plus special ceremonies or observances. Christ plus secret knowledge. Christ plus good works. Christ alone was not sufficient for these folks. So the Apostle Paul sets them straight, reminding them of who this Christ is. I'm reading from the message because it just brings it alive for us. God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much, the Son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. We look at this Son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, and when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning, and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. 
Not only that, but all of the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does, because at one time you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. Yet don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. Man, that is just beautiful. I mean, that really brings it out. The Apostle Paul is obviously making a universal truth claim. Valid for all. Absolute. This message is for everyone, for every creature under heaven. He's emphatic. Christ alone is sufficient for salvation. We are not to look to anyone or to anything else. It is not Christ plus blank, you know, fill in the blank. As a popular preacher has put it, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus Christ is all we need. He's all anyone needs. So who is he? He's none other than the very Son of God, the spitting image of the invisible God. So if we want to know who God is, what God is like, we look to Jesus. He is God made flesh, God made visible. He's the very creator of the universe, who with the Father from the beginning brought everything into being. He's the sustainer, the one who holds everything together so that when life falls apart, when a loved one dies... When our marriage fails, when we lose our job, it is to Christ alone to whom we turn. He's our foundation when everything is shaking around us. He's a center that will never give way. He gives us meaning and purpose and wisdom. It's not enough to say to someone who's going through great turmoil, just believe the, just believe the best. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe, as long as you're sincere. They need Jesus, the ground of all being, the center. And he's the redeemer. He alone is the one mediator between a holy God and rebellious humanity. So when the world was in a mess, broken beyond repair, wallowing in a pit of destruction, God came in the world in Jesus to pull us up out of that pit, to save us all from sin and death dying for us upon the cross. By virtue of his death and resurrection, we are now reconciled to God. We are now on God's side. Good thing. Christ alone has opened the way to God. We don't need to go through human intermediaries like priests to gain full access to God, as the Protestant reformers were quick to point out. And you know what? This is the most wonderful news in the whole world. Best news that anybody could ever hope to receive. 
and it's news for everyone. And it's with joy that we proclaim Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior of the world. Christians have always believed and proclaimed that Jesus Christ is the way, not one way among many ways. He is the truth, not one truth among other equally valid truths. He is the Lord, not one Lord among many. But Jesus is a Savior of all, not just for, to those who are disposed to want to believe in him. It's disconcerting, therefore, when you hear even in the church statements such as, there are many roads to heaven. Jesus is just one road. It happens to be our road. So who are we to tell others that they ought to be following our road? Or a statement like this from a Presbyterian elder at a national denominational meeting, not from our church. Religions are like baskets of fruit. Apples and oranges are different, but they are all fruit. Religions are different varieties of the same thing, so they're all equal. You know, it's actually disrespectful to the adherents of various religions to lump them all together and to say that they're all the same, when clearly they are not. They all make very different kinds of truth claims, and they're not afraid to advocate for those truth claims in the marketplace of ideas. It's disconcerting when, according to a 2008 Pew survey, a majority of mainline Protestants do not believe that Christ is necessary for salvation, and, that, and they believe that there is more than one way to heaven. Creeping pluralism infecting the church. Now, this view may fit popular culture, but this is not New Testament Christianity, nor is it part of our Reformed theological heritage. Equally troubling was a 2002 Barna poll that found that 80% of all members of mainline Protestant churches believe that their salvation can be earned by good works and not, as we said last week, by faith alone, by grace alone. We have an educational piece that we're, we need to work on. So given our, our state of spiritual confusion... We could use a little bit more of that boldness and courage of a Peter and John proclaiming Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior of the world. So we've been saying that this message is for all. It is universal public truth. And it needs to be proclaimed with energy and joy out of love for all. It is our love for others that compels us to share the good news in word and deed. Now, this message about Christ is both radically inclusive as well as exclusive. Now, here's a visual that has helped me, maybe it will help you, think for a moment of the cross with its horizontal and its vertical beams. There is the horizontal beam, and we can imagine the outstretched arms of Jesus. They're open wide. His invitation goes out to everybody. It's for everyone, rich and poor, great and humble, no matter who you are, what you've been, where you've come from. His invitation is wildly, widely, radically inclusive. 
It's not just for those who have secret knowledge. It's not for those who are already living good and moral, upright lives. It's for everyone. There is nothing exclusive about it. 1 Timothy 2, 3, 4 reads, God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9 declares, The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Or hear the words of Jesus in that most famous Christian text of all, probably John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. As the old hymn goes, there's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in His justice which is more than liberty. There's welcome for the sinner and more gracious for the good. There's mercy with the Savior. There's healing in His blood. And it's because of the amazing grace of God that Christians feel at peace when they say Jesus is the only way. We experience that grace through Him. We're eager to point people to where that kind of grace can be found. Jesus represents the wideness of God's mercy and love. The horizontal beam of the cross reminds us that His invitation is inclusive for every creature under heaven. But then there is the vertical beam of the cross. We think of God up here and rebellious humanity down here. We think of Jesus who is at the center of that vertical beam. Bridging the gap between a holy God and sinful humanity. Just as God's salvation is inclusive in its intended scope, so salvation is exclusive and particular in its source. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved. Solus Christus, Christ alone. Christ alone is sufficient for salvation. Now, let me close by saying this. It is Christ who saves us, not Christianity. It's Christ who saves us, who brings us into right, right relationship with God and gives us new life. It is not religion. It is not a body of teaching. It is not a particular morality or a worldview. It's not a philosophy. It's not following the principles of the Christian religion and going to church that's going to make us right with God. It's not religion at all, but it's a relationship with a person. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with a living person. I love how John Stott once put it. He says, Christ is the center of Christianity. All else is circumference. It's all about the person of Christ, what he's done for us, and having a living relationship with him. Jesus is not just a dead martyr. He's not just a religious philosopher who's long gone, who's said some good things. But he is the risen, living Lord who longs to have fellowship with every human being. And as I've said, his love is wild, wildly inclusive. He wants everyone to be saved. Do you know him personally? Do you, do you have a sense that you are walking with Jesus day by day? Do you have a sense that he's got his hand upon you? And is he at all the focus of your thoughts and of your dreams? Are you walking with him? Do you know him? And if you know you don't and you, and you want to have a relationship with him, then in prayer, ask him 
to make himself real to you. Challenge him to show himself to you. But you've got to be attentive to the signs. Christ's love is all around you. The Spirit of God is knocking at your heart right now. Let him in. The religions and the philosophies of this world are humanity's attempt to ascend to heaven, to reach the, div to the divine in an attempt to save itself, for humanity to save itself. But what's different about the gospel is that in Jesus, God has come down to us, coming to us in such a way that we could experience and grasp his love. The direction is not from here up to God, hoping somehow to attain divinity, as in the religions and philosophies of the world, by their own performance and good works, but it is all about God coming down to us, right where we live, showing us truth and grace, so that we could grasp his love. And like the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep in the fold to go looking after the one who strayed, so Jesus seeks after every human being looking to bring them home. So, if you've been wandering around a spiritual wilderness, lost and confused by a thousand and one different spiritual paths, each claiming their own, making their own claims and promises, wondering how you can ever meet God and find meaning and purpose for your life, you can do no better than to allow yourself to be found by Jesus who has been after you for a long, long time. Turn to Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life, the one and only Savior of all. He is the way home to the Father. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for providing a way out of this broken world. Thank you for coming to us in Christ to pull us out of a pit of destruction. We were doomed. The wages of sin is death. And yet, Lord, you took the initiative. You came to us in Christ. You reached down from heaven right to where we live. And you've pulled us out. And now we're on your side, free to live the abundant life that you have promised. Thank you, Lord for all that you have done for us. Thank you for being our Savior, but not only our Savior, but the Savior of the entire world. Like Peter and John, Lord, give us courage and boldness to proclaim that good news. There is no better news that anybody could ever hope to receive. To you be all praise and glory. Amen.